Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in a desperate hour for our country and the countries of the world. Lord, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? For in the day of trouble, you keep me safe in, the, in your dwelling. You hide me in the shelter of your secret tent and set me high upon a rock. Hear our voices when we call, Lord, be merciful to us. And hear our prayers. We call upon you, Lord, to be with us through these trying times. We pray for our president and the members of Congress, the state and the city leaders of our communities, that they would search for you and your wisdom. We ask you, God, to draw them close to you during this time of crisis in our country and in the world. Lord, remove the blinders from our eyes and let us see the truth. The scriptures tell us to ask for wisdom and you will give generously to all without finding fault. We believe, God, you will give us wisdom. Lord, we pray for the frontline responders, especially for the medical professions, the public health officials, the National Guard, the police, and the fire departments as they serve and help protect the community during this time. We lift up our brothers and sisters and ask to move us to help our community by showing the love of Christ in all things. Lord, we ask you to be with us to be with the churches who are struggling during this time. We are confident that you are in control of all things, and we will not fear. Lord, help us with our unbelief. Lord, you say in your word, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Lord, be with those who are sick. Be with the elderly and anyone who is battling with the Cornoa, the virus, Lord, and all the sickness. Heal their bodies and let them know that you are with them. In Psalms, it says, praise the Lord. My soul, all my innermost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all the diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Lord, open our eyes during this time. Open our hearts. Open our, our spirit, God, to what you would have us to do. Lord, we love you. As in your, in your holy, precious name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, that'll work. I think I got it. Thank you, Brother Leonard. Hope everybody's doing well today. Not awake, but you're doing well, huh? <clears throat> Outstanding. Outstanding. What a time, huh? Never thought, I bet nobody thought this was happening last at Christmas time. Like, man. Um, so things have changed. Uh, before I get started, just uh, there, there are some unknowns about our meeting place as a church going forward over the next few weeks. So uh, we'll be communicating by Facebook and text as those things become available. If, you haven't, if you've never received a text from Ordinary Faith, 
uh, then you should text the word WELCOME to 307-224-4404. And I can't get to that slide right now, or I would, but uh, it's on our Facebook page. But if you just text the word WELCOME, it'll ask you for your phone number, and we'll get you in, and then you will be, as it, we'll probably send out a couple text blasts, blasts. And if you don't want those when you get one, just hit stop, and you won't get another one, okay? So, uh, but, we, but we have some unknowns, so we're just trying to deal with those. So today I thought in, the, in light of uh, what's going on, and uh, even though I love the series we're doing on Man of God, I thought I might need to deviate just for today, and, uh, and we'll see what the future brings. But just wanted to kind of address what we're going through, take a few minutes and see what God's Word has to say. Uh, so there is no study guide for today. Uh, I may get some questions sent out or something for the small groups for their discussion base tomorrow or something, but at the moment I don't have any uh, study guide together. But the Bible has a lot to say, right? I mean, it's kind of a thick book for most people. Uh, although when you're trying to capture the heart of an infinite God, uh, it's actually a pretty, pretty small book. And so I, I wanted to share some scriptures with, with you. I wanted to address some issues. What do we do? You know, some of you are probably asking, uh, what do I do? Just act like nothing's going on? Going on? Darn the torpedoes full speed ahead? That kind of thing. Uh, and, and certainly there are those who are going to adopt that philosophy, and they're just going to say, oh, it's all hype and, and those kinds of things. God's got this charge ahead with some kind of, uh, I don't know, pseudo-fearlessness, because that's really what it is, because in our hearts there's a little bit of fear, no matter what we want to believe. Then there's the other extreme. Do I hide until it all goes away? Do I just build me a toilet paper fort in my living room? <laughs> and um, so you can't come in? You call it good. I'm not going <laughs> to... It's a great image, isn't it? <laughs> and you know somebody, probably in this room, has enough toilet paper to accomplish that. So, um, and that's okay. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not judging you. Um, but if I run out of toilet paper and I find out who you are, <laughs> I'm coming over. So uh, let's get started. What, what's some things to do? So let me start read this scripture to you. And I have several. Uh, but James chapter 4, verse 6. God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands. I'll pause right there. <laughs> you sinners, purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Amen. You know, I've got about six points I'm going to cover here. The first one's this. The first thing we need to do in a time like this is we just we need to get close to God. We just need to get close to God. Pretty simple, you know. And it's not complicated. I'm not going to make any huge revelations today. Just going to review some of the most basic and most powerful scriptures uh, that can help us through this time. And so let's get close to God. How do we get close to God? Well, one of the ways that we can do that is for, we just need to come to terms with God's greatness and our smallness. We need to come to terms with that a little bit. God is a really, really big God. And we are so small. Even on a universal scale, if you looked at the planet Earth, which what's, it's up to 7.5 billion now are the, spec, are the estimates on how many people are on this planet. If you look at the planet Earth from a, a universal perspective, from, from out in space, 
this whole planet is a speck of dust. This whole planet is a speck of dust compared to the vastness of what God has created in the universe. And on that speck of dust, there you and I live our lives. We worship a God who is infinitely great, far beyond our wildest imagination. And so he is so great and we are so small. And if we can ever wrap our heart a little bit around our smallness, we could, just be, we could spend a lot more time in awe of his greatness. You know, if you get to just looking at yourself, your universe, you get really giant in your universe. If, if all you're looking at is you, you've got to get out of that and look at God and, and see how large he is. So if you can come to, to, one way to come closer to God is to get in touch with your smallness, to, to be honest about our sinfulness. We were created in God's womb. I should write that down. We were created in our mother's womb. Sorry, I, I put the wrong word in there. Uh, we were created in our mother's womb to know God. As small as we are, we were created for that purpose, to actually be in relationship and know who God is. And that is a wonderful, powerful thing. And, and, and in spite of that, and in spite of the awe of that, we know everything but him. We know Netflix. We know the NBA. We know how to shop. We know products. We don't know him. And so if we're going to get close to God, we need to come back to that, come to terms with his greatness, our smallness, and, and the reality that we are forever walking away from him for some crazy reason. And then let's think about our country for a second. While we're in this mindset of coming close to God and kind of pushing back this other stuff and, and pushing through the veil of all the noise and chaos and media and all those kinds of things right now, I just, I'm going to say something Maybe may upset you. I'm not, the, the goal isn't to upset you, but the goal is to, to be realistic in, in, about our situation. I love my country, but this is not a Christian country, okay? There are Christians who live in this country. There were Christian ideals and Judeo-Christian values this country was founded upon. But a Christian is someone who follows Jesus Christ and obeys the commands of his father. That's a Christian, okay? And so, to, uh, to, when we look at our country, what this should do for us is we should pray for it. Because this is a great time for people to realize that the gods that they worship, the movie stars, the rock stars, the sports heroes, the money, the physical appearance, the politicians, that the things that they worship all fall short. All of those idols are actually small, small specks of dust inside of a speck of dust. And so if we can get this perspective, and we can draw close to God at a time like this ourselves, stop worrying about everybody else and their toilet paper forts. Wor worry, not, not worry about, but get yourself in perspective with God. Where am I with God? What do I think about God? What's my relationship with God? How close am I? Am I proud or am I humble? Is God far away or is God close to me? That should be the first priority. Anytime a crisis hits your life, that's the first thing. Where am I in relationship to God? Amen? That's the first question we have to ask, all right? Second thing. If you want to get close to God, it's a great time to kick some stuff out of your life, okay? Obviously not toilet paper. I'm going to make that joke until you're sick of it, okay? 
All right, you're welcome. So I'm a dad, and dad jokes rock, and so that's a dad joke. So anyway, let go of the things that are messing you up. Hebrews 12.1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, and I guess I should pause right there. That verse follows Hebrews 11, which is like the hall of fame of faith in the Bible, okay? So that's the witnesses that the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 is talking about. All these people who by faith overcame enemies, raised the dead, all these kinds of things, all right? So since that, we're surrounded by this heritage and legacy of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You see, as we, we, we need to, to just take that scripture at heart. Kick those things out of our lives, and, and how you do this is by keeping your eyes on Jesus. Focus upon Him. Right now is a time, maybe you'll end up with some time alone over the next few weeks, so that social distancing. What a word. I mean, where did this phrase come from? And, and I never even heard it until a couple weeks ago, and now, now it's used everywhere. It's in all this formal stuff, social distancing. So while you are socially distanced, <laughs> while you're keeping six feet away from, or three feet away, Notice how we put the chairs farther apart today. Man, aren't we honoring social distance today? Anyway, I'm not sure how we're going to shake hands yet. We're, before service, Cindy and I were back there, and we did the elbow tap, and then the guy walks up to me and says, you know, you're sneezing in that elbow. I'm like, oh, that's a problem. <clears throat> every, every time you think about it, the more impossible the scenario gets, you know? It's so good. That's why you got to have your faith somewhere else. This is a great time to focus on Jesus Christ because you can't solve all the problems in your flesh. You can't find enough solutions. You can't come up with enough ideas to overcome the problems that we're currently facing. And the situation is usually that way. We are usually dealing with problems we can't handle in our own strength. And the answer is always going to be focus on Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Come back to him. And as we focus on Jesus Christ, you know, problems are going to be resolved. Solutions are going to come to light. Protections going to come. I, you know, one of the things, and this is just Michael talking. You know, I'm not a scientist or a doctor. I'm just, you know, a redneck who talks really loud. And one of the things I worry about is there's so much fear in our world. And several years ago, I remember I was doing a sermon on fear, and I did some studies on how fear affects our health. And I remember that that fear actually debilitates your immune system. And so now we have all this fear in our world. We're actually making ourselves more prone and more susceptible to what's out there. So how are we going to beat the fear? Well, the answer to that is love and joy. Man, it's time to, to, instead of focus on the problem, which is a big problem, it doesn't matter how big the problem is on this speck of dust in which I live. What matters is how big the God is who created the speck of dust on which I live, right? And so Jesus is bigger than this problem. No matter what happens, no matter what happens to me, no matter who gets sick or who doesn't, Jesus is still bigger than this problem, and that's where my focus has to be. Amen? So if we can focus there and push out, let the focus on Jesus be so intense that it pushes out the distractions from our Father, then that would be a very healthy outcome and that would bring you in. And then the third thing I'd say is as we're getting close to God, just use this as an amazing opportunity to trust God, to trust God. 
James says, whatever's good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens and he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. James says, listen, that whole universe out there that blows your mind that's bigger than you can, bigger than your wildest imagination, the vastness of it completely minimizes you, makes you feel small. The God who created that gives every good gift. And what I'm trying to tell you is, I thank God for the doctors, the medical professionals. John, we're not doing a study guide. This is a different, if you're handing out study guides, I changed the sermon. Sorry, but I appreciate your commitment. <laughs> John's like, somebody really messed up. And uh, so, <laughs> I wanted to surprise the church today with, I didn't even know what I was going to say. So I thought, you know, we'll all be surprised together. But the point is, as we think... God, I'm thankful that God provided these people, that he's given mental capacity to think and explore, to, that are good at scientific observation, and I'm so grateful. But I see all of those people, doctors, physicians, first responders, servants, anyone, I see them all as gifts from God. And when this problem is resolved, when, when the vaccine's discovered, whatever, that will also be yet another gift from God. And in the end, it's God that I trust, not, not science. Because science's job is to figure out what God's doing, not tell us that there is no God. Let me say that one more time. Science's job is to tell us what God's doing. Maybe try to discover how God's doing it, not tell us that there is no God. And, and I'm also thankful for those doctors and, and, and medical professionals that are working so diligently through this. So I just want you to know, though, that my trust and our trust has to be in the God who strengthens them and the God who gives them creativity and power, not in them, okay? So the, all of this can drive us closer to God. So first thing we got to do is we got to get close to God. This is a great opportunity to do that. Um, <clears throat> by the way, oh, so let me give you Psalms 37. Beautiful passage, one of my favorites. So just Psalms 37 is so good. I was going to talk about it in the other sermon we're going to do this week, uh, but now I get to do that one again. So Psalm 37, 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you'll live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord. He will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Isn't that a good word for today? Written thousands of years ago and just as relevant in this moment as it was when David wrote it. And so let's, let's work at trusting God. One more. Verse 8. Oh, I forgot. Verse 8. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. I think all of those were very relevant for today. So let's get close to God. And then the second thing, opportunity we, we can take this as, is that this is a great chance now to bring the kingdom. This is a great chance now for the kingdom of heaven to invade earth. And we as Christians really need to see this as an opportunity, what we're going through. Whatever trials we may face over the next few weeks, we may face sickness, we may not be able to come together as a body. There, there are all kinds of challenges that may come up. And even though there's challenges that are going to be there, our pursuit is not to live in fear of the challenge. Our, our, our goal is to look for the opportunity for heaven to invade earth in the challenge. How can, we, how can we bring Jesus to the challenge? Paul said this to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 
I urge you, first of all, pray for all people and ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them, even though they have 37 packages of toilet paper. Pray this way. I told you, I'm just going to make this joke until you get sick. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So how can we bring the kingdom? The first thing we can really do is start praying for people. I mean, pray, pray for the mayor and the city council and the leaders at the school district and the leaders of the hospitals and the health departments and the CDCs and Homeland Security. We need to be praying for these people. They have big decisions to make. They're going to make probably no one happy. Okay? I'm already pretty unhappy with some of the decisions they made, but, you know, that's me. I'm a complainer about things, all right? They're going to get, but that's their job. That's what they're going to have to do. And I've been there. I've had to make those decisions. You've had to make those decisions before, most likely. And so pray for these people. Lift them up. Pray for people that are afraid. Fear is rampant. A trip to Walmart today or Smith's will prove that to you. People are trying to get ready for staying home for the rest of their lives, apparently. I don't know. And, and, and I, I get it. There's fear. Fear's contagious. Fear is contagious. And, and you, can, you can read, uh, you know, you can get on the internet or on social media, whatever, and you should start reading. And I don't know about you, but I, I kind of can lean toward the pessimistic side. It's easy to be a cynicist, to be cynical, and, and to call out the facts, to be a man of fact, and say, oh, well, this happened, so this is probably going to happen, and that's probably. Oh, no, there I am back. That was. So terrifying. I was so afraid. Fear is terrible. It's rampant. Believe it or not, mocking the fear because you're afraid isn't actually helping. And so what we can do is we can start praying for scared people. We can start loving scared people. We can ask God to bring a spirit of peace. We can ask God to give us such a presence of peace that wherever we go, we change the atmosphere and we fight the fear with our peace. Prayer can do this for, for us. And so this is something we can do. We can bring the kingdom through our prayer life. So it's more important than ever to pray. My wife and I were having this discussion last night, a new problem. All week it's been one like a challenge after another popping up. And last night another one popped up. And it, you know, it scared me. And, and my wife is like, you know, we really need to be praying like we've never prayed before. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but she's actually the better preacher in the house. <sighs> she says things that make sense. So, so that's what we did. It's time to pray. It's also time to serve. It's time to serve. Uh, this is a Michael the pastor. This is an ordinary faith moment we're about to have here. Just for us, if anyone's listening from other churches, this probably isn't for you. This problem that we've hit right now with this virus has highlighted a challenge we have at Ordinary Faith, for me. And that's this. The majority of our servants are in the demographic that is affected by this virus. That means they're over 60 years of age. The majority of the people that we have doing coffee, setting up chairs, working in kids' church, all those kind of things are in the demographic affected by this virus. And so we, we need to realize that we all need to come together, not just as a body, 
And not just for our community, but we need to be willing to be like our Savior Jesus, who was a servant, and serve. We need to learn together to see how valuable serving is. You know, I, I, um, I, and maybe it's be, being in the ministry. Maybe it's setting up chairs for decades now uh, for church. Because it started for me back in 2000 when I planted my first church in Colorado. It, all these years, I, you know, at first I was like, man, it's, it's about the preaching. That was where I started. It's about uh, the praying. It's about evangelism. But over the years, I've moved from the preaching, the prayers, and evangelism to like, well, it's kind of about setting up chairs. And it's kind of about wiping off tables. Yesterday, we had a group of people here disinfecting the building. And by the way, if you're here after the second service, we could use the crew again to do it again, or at least the chairs and the doorknobs and things. But in all of those setting up, I realized several months ago in a message that we were talking about this a little bit, I realized that when we do the setup, it's like the Levites in the Old Testament setting up the temple. And so the people who are setting up coffee are worshiping and enabling worship. The people who are sweeping the floor are worshipers. You know, and, and I know that's, that may be hard for some of you to wrap your heart around. Because I know, I, I know people, you know, their wor worship is hands in the air, glory to God, singing at the top of my lungs. Or worship is being challenged intellectually with deep spiritual theological thought. But I've come to realize that worship is mopping the floor. Cleaning a toilet, taking food to somebody, making a phone call to our elderly, like, are you okay? No, really, stop saying fine. Are you okay? What do you need? See? And this isn't about, I, I think what happens, I think the reason that the, the older generation steps into serving is because they've hit a stage in life where they've realized how important it is to wash someone else's feet. And so I would love for us to back that up a few generations and say to our younger generations, hey, make time to serve. Make this a priority because people need you. And I'm, I bet by the time this is done, we thank God for what has happened. I bet we are able to look and say, ah, God showed us through all of this how important it was for us all to be the body. You know, Paul had us, he had to talk about that. You know, we're, we're all the body. Some of you are the pretty parts, the nose, the face, the eyes, and, and some of you are the parts that you hide. <laughs> so he said, I didn't, I didn't say that, Paul said it. But then he goes on to say, but the thing is about the parts that you cover with clothing, those are the ones you protect more than the others. Well, that's an interesting analogy Paul makes. And so I just want you to know, it's a great time to serve, and never forget that if you're following Jesus, you're following a servant. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. So if you look at service as a bondage, you do not see this correctly, okay? You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So this is a great time to pray. It's a great time to serve. And it's, a, it's always a great time to love, to love and to honor people. You see, this is a good time to give people Jesus. This is a good time to let people know the gospel. This is a good time for you to learn how to share the gospel. And, and I'm going to tell you something. Sharing the gospel is easy. It is not complicated at all. 
It's, it's like this. Bad news, good news, great news. Okay? That, that's it. Bad news. You're a sinner, going to die, and that's not going to work out well for you. <laughs> Boom. Good news. I wasn't okay with God. He sent Jesus to die for you, and he paid for your sins, and he paid for your death. Good news. Great news. If you will turn to Jesus Christ, make him Lord of your life, declare, give him the throne, the wheel of your car, you can be saved and have eternal life that starts right now. That's it. That's pretty easy. Anybody can share that. Another way you could share it was, I was a wreck. I met Jesus, and now I'm changed. Would you like to have the same Savior I have? That's pretty simple. You see, the gospel isn't a formula. It's a story. It's a tragedy. It's a romance. It's an action movie. It's an amazing story of God's pursuit of you and everyone you'll ever meet. So this is a great time to share the story. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Let's learn to love the world. It's a time to give the world Jesus. And it's a time to move in love and power and wisdom. First, Second Timothy 1.6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So now is a time we can actually bring kingdom to people in a great way. Now, as I share this, I want to I have a little caveat here. I, I don't want to endanger people's lives by what I'm about to say. But at the same time, I don't want to cower in the face of the fear that the enemy has to offer the world. And so I'm continually asking myself at this point, how can I step forward in love and in power and in wisdom? How can I... How can I change the story for some people? How can I actively love and present that love to people? Because I believe that it is love and goodness that convinces lost people to turn to Christ. I believe people need to know the truth, and I believe we need to declare the truth. The problem that we have with the truth is that we live in a world that has no context for what is true. And so to tell the truth to someone who doesn't have a language for truth or a comprehension of truth only drives people away. And so Jesus gave us a, another way. Because when Jesus came, yes, he spoke the truth, but he also served food, washed feet. He also taught and told stories. He, believe it or not, he even told jokes, all right? He used hyperbole and, and extreme language to, to poke into the humorous side of situations to reveal the truth underneath. That was Jesus' way. He was very good at it. And we can take those same ideas and we can live like him. We can walk in love and in goodness. We can show the world. What's a greater testimony? To tell the world how wrong they've been or to live in the world with so much peace, they wonder why you're calm while everyone else is freaking out. You see, what's a bigger testimony? What's a better argument? 
I'm not saying we shouldn't say those things or shouldn't demonstrate those truths or teach them. I'm just saying we need to not forget that the world just doesn't have the ability to digest nor interpret the truth. But they can comprehend goodness and kindness and love. And, and they can comprehend our true righteousness as it's displayed through God's working out in our lives. I think those kind of things will make an amazing statement. So, two points really. It's a great chance to get close to God. You're probably going to have a little bit more time for it than you've had before. It's a great chance also to bring the kingdom into this world. You know something, I haven't really talked about it much, but let me just throw this in as an addendum. This might be a great chance to really present Jesus to your family, to present God's goodness and kindness to your wife and children and serve them. That would be a great place to start. I want to conclude this message with a psalm that people are selecting verses out of it and putting on Facebook, but I thought it would be wise to read the whole thing. Psalm 91, 16 verses. Here we go. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He's my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. They will, you will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. What a passage. I want to remind you that all of these promises are to Jesus. And Jesus is who lives in you as a believer. So all of the promises are yours in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to overwhelm the fear. I ask you to encourage this body. I ask you, Lord, to just stand in this moment with us. Renew our hearts and our minds to trust in you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for this amazing scripture that we've read. I thank you, Lord, that we never stand, even in the worst crisis, without your guidance, your hand, and your protection. I thank you, Lord, that even though this very day we might walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I thank you that we will never do that alone. That you will always go before us. That you will be a banner over us. You will walk next to us. And you will be behind us as a rear guard. I thank you that you're a good God. And I pray that you would raise us up to be courageous. To love and serve our families and communities. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.